When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it turns out that uh, Gene Wilder is a fantastic rodeo rider yeah. for no good reason. <laughs> because he went into the warden's office and the warden has a mechanical bull and the warden said, sit on that. And he sat on it. And for... turned it up to six. Yeah. And that was it. He was the best rodeo rider, rider anybody's seen. Like, how else would you find out you're the best rodeo rider? Because like, <laughs> it's not like, like, it's not like it's one of those things you just would stumble across. Welcome to the 77th, 77, the year of Star Wars and punk episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. And I'm not sure that makes sense, but hey, welcome. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. I'm joined by Tiernan. Hello. And Jason. Hi there. And Helen. Hello. As always. And we're going to be talking about the Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder film, Stir Crazy. Come find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. So all films were available on Netflix at a time recording, guys. Just as a bit of a warning, there is some bad language and there will be spoilers. You have been warned. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Today our guests are Jason and Tiernan. Now, if you would like to tell our lovely listeners a little bit about the podcast that you both work on, please. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Jason and I run, I guess I'll say, uh, Stop and Search, which is now, I can say, an award-winning podcast. Cause we yeah! Did, which, how did that happen? Woo! I still don't know. I still don't know how. The most intelligent podcast, isn't it? It was smartest, smartest. podcast smartest. and yeah. best current affairs. It was two. Yeah. Um, we beat Ed Miliband, which that's going on my gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> we beat Ed Miliband. I even said that in Parliament because we recorded an episode in Parliament just two weeks ago. We had Thang and Debonair, and uh, I even said, sorry, Thangan, but we beat Ed Miliband. And it was just like a hush across the room. So I don't know if that was worth bragging about or not. But anyway, we uh, we do drug policy. So if you don't think that all drugs should be legal and regulated, come and listen to us. We'll tell you why. We've got um, celebrity guests, uh, politicians, uh, world leaders, and we just have a talk about drugs. And Tiernan was on an episode. Yes, Tiernan was fantastic. Was. Yeah, was I? Thanks. Oh, I, don't, I have no idea what we're talking about, though. Yeah, I think I think I just accidentally admitted to having some really fun times at festivals, and uh, which is a good thing yeah, to do because yeah. that's, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's the point of that's it. That's what festivals are for. Yeah, right? I mean, that, if if you're not doing that, then you're doing festivals wrong. Very you? true. That's very true. Unless you're like under eighteen, maybe. Yeah, I like. They I like recommend it like caveat. Said yes, if you are unless under you're five, 18, please uh, do things sensibly. Festival sensibly. Um, it was good fun though that one, wasn't it? And there was lots of other clever people, unlike Felicity Moss and. Andrew Doyle. And that was one we did about the media and how they interpret drug policy. And yeah, they don't like drugs, the media. Especially the Daily Mail. No. That's, so we could do a whole episode on that. But there might be changes in that. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting podcast, I think I'm allowed to say, because we have, it's the guests that make it. They genuinely do. There's just so many different ways we can cover drug policy, media, addiction, all these different things. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, it's good. I mean, I've, I've been to a couple of, of um, records and 
the first one I went to was the uh, featured Danny, who is a ex undercover police officer, and she was like quite young. She, I don't think she, she didn't go to university, did she? But she went straight into the police force and went undercover and got in some pretty hairy situations. So yeah, that was the one we did at Waterstones because we predominantly record them at Waterstones Tottenham yeah. Court Road, and that was with do you know the the program Hunted where they you got the the people that go out on the run and then you got a crew of people that have to go and catch them. So you have Peter Blexley who's the chief hunter mm. and, and Danny who is one of the the, the right hand people because I must admit I've not seen Hunted I, I shouldn't probably admit that having spoken to them but um, yeah so Danny was uh, just fantastic because she was covert specialist she's done all of these different things within the, in, in the force and has a position on drug policy and most times you think that the police are going to be very much in favour of keeping drug policy you know solidified and criminalised but most times we find that they're the ones that want to create reform and, yeah. and some decriminalisation legalisation even, even though it could legitimately lose them part of their, their job role I, I guess I was going to say all those poor dogs what would they do <laughs> <laughs> yeah just think retirement of yeah and partly political Tinan tell us about that uh, yeah so I do the partly political broadcast which is basically um, what I do every week so that I don't have to shout about things in a park um, <laughs> but it's it's, it's uh, I, some, I do political stand up comedy and so I thought the best way to stop all my material stop like basically I was writing lots of material and it's becoming incredibly quickly irrelevant mm. so that if I can get it on a weekly podcast that's the best thing to do so it's lots and lots of jokes about the past week's politics and then I interview actual clever experts uh, like Jason here who's also been on mine um, uh, about issues Issues, so they can explain to an idiot like me what's actually going on. Um, so this week I have uh, Steve Sang, who tells me all about Chinese politics, uh, yeah. which made me go, oh, wow, I had no idea about any of that. So And then I'll call Boris Johnson something rude. That's normally what happens, even though he's just <laughs> left. So I've lost all my material. Damn him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting week. So it, when did it come out, this week's podcast? This morning. Uh, this morning. And so yeah, it's, I already, rewrote, uh, uh, it's already yeah, been out of date. Yeah, I had to rewrite my episode four times yesterday, so that was really good fun. Oh, it's all about David Osher. Oh, it's all about Boris Johnson. Oh, no, when will this end? So uh, that was really good fun. Yeah. Cool. So we're talking about Stir Crazy today, which is your choice, Jason. That is. Can you give us a two-minute synopsis and tell us why you chose it? Well, it was firstly so difficult to choose because I was going through Netflix and I was there. Was, I had a shortlist which I emailed to every one of you saying, right, which one of these? And I just couldn't make my mind up because I'm really invested in film. I love it. It's a, it's a solace for me. Um, so part of the shortlist was Stir Crazy. Yeah. And, and it was UK that said, let's go for that. It's going to be one of the more original things to do. And believe it or not, it's a childhood film of mine. It's so nostalgic. It really... So have you seen, you'd seen it before, had you? I've, uh, it's one of those films that, you know, when you can do karaoke to a film, right. you know it that well. It is like that for me because it's so ingrained into my childhood. It's I know it line for line. And, and when I watched it back last night, I realised just how much of it I still remember, even though I haven't seen it for about 15 years. Sure. Um, and I do. It's, it's not a, I, I probably shouldn't say it straight off, but it's not a great film. <laughs> <laughs> which is a bizarre thing to say when you're choosing it. But again, I think for me, it's just, it's so nostalgic. Sure. It's so of its time. And I was so worried as well, going back into it, having chosen it the way we did, I thought, is this going to be highly sexist, highly racist? You know, really inappropriate for this day and age. But it's actually not too bad. I was quite surprised on how much it does still hold up politically. Yeah. I mean, when um, obviously myself and Helen often exchange prior thoughts before watching the film, for me, it's one of the films... Loved Gene Wilder, loved Richard Pryor, but just hadn't seen it. Um, and, you know, it's an early 1980s film, Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder. We just, it, it, what I think either you or I said, it's either going to be, yeah, racist, homophobic, mis misogynistic, or 
um, all of them, or yeah. all of the above, and it really, it just wasn't. There's some, there's some kind of silly allusions to things that wouldn't really happen. I mean, Gene Wilder, or you know, getting the girl just from knowing her for five minutes, for example, is a bit, is always a bit like it's a bit daft. But that's what happens in films, isn't it? Um, there was a gay character, well, a camp character in the in the prison. He wasn't really abused in any way, particular form. Richard Pryor did a few double takes of things he said and said, you know don't do that but then they were they were all friends they weren't that that kind of character would have been ostracized in other films so i don't think it was particularly brutal in that way i was surprised how well it held up because yeah. i really was expecting it to be highly dated for like for those reasons it wasn't until i was doing a little bit of sort of background research i realized that sydney Poitier directed it yeah. i had no idea yeah well that was like, one of the first things i realized when it came up on the screen well, obviously directed by Sidney Poitier. Which was just such a surprise because, mm. you know, it's a name that I obviously really know. And to find out that he was involved in one of my childhood favourite films was just completely... And I suppose that, in a way, re- makes you realise why it does still hold up and it's not particularly racist. There are a few little things that are a little bit, you know, contentious. But considering how old it is, the fact that it's really set in the deep south of America in the 1980s, it really could have been a lot worse on the PC front than what it is. Yeah. Um, so let us, let us know, can you explain what happens in the... Yeah, and this is, again, the bizarre aspect is that once you start explaining what the actual plot, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense or have any kind of continuity. So there's two guys. Um, as we said, we've got um, two of my favourite characters, of well, duos of all time, which are Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. I think they are just legendary. I think they are so underrated in their in their movies. Um, they're down on their luck, hard luck story. Um, they're very much based in New York, not knowing what they're doing, fired from their jobs. For some reason, and this isn't really anything to do with the plot, but Gene Wilder is a playwright, which, <laughs> again, doesn't really make any sense or have any point to the film. Uh, but it's just a driver for him to be motivated enough to go and do things. And that's what Gene Wilder is. He's a free spirit. He wants to go out there and progress his career. They then get um, locked up through a bank robbery that they didn't do. They get sent to a deep south prison. Uh, and then fun in shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deep South present for 125 years. Yeah. There's a lot of nonsense set up from the start, isn't there, Helen? There is. <laughs> and I think that's what it is, isn't it? It's just the setups are so tenuous. Yeah. Like the fact that they, they know where they wanted to go with the plot points, so they had to get the positions in to get them there. Yeah. Because it all, it all culminates and resonates and crescendo on the fact that there's inter-prison rodeos, which... It, <laughs> <laughs> so Tina's looking at this going yeah right whatever mate it's just- yeah. well you, you see, I should I should point out that I I've, I've not done my homework for today I feel very guilty <laughs> I haven't seen the film I have stirred things quite crazily in my time <laughs> um, if that helps um, and I've seen uh, you know see no evil hear no evil which yeah. has got some of the same cast in it but um, but I haven't heard it but I mean now that you said it's not great I sort of feel a little bit better about myself but prison rodeo sounds properly <laughs> incredible um, to, what to happens Tina's in re- defence though is it, is it the most non part of the plot the, the prison radio thing it probably is well, it? I mean it, apart from the fact that they dress up as chickens and go dancing in a bank well it's because I mean I don't know that kind of promo stuff happens but it's the fact that Gene Wilder goes guys I've got I've got us a gig and he's so happy about it and they're dancing in a bank what how does that work exactly it doesn't make any sense as to why that works and then for yourself Tian and then for the rest of the listeners who won't watch this film they finish up for the for for the morning, go and have lunch, leave their bird costumes in the bank changing room, whatever that is. Uh, someone creeps into the bank changing room, steals the suits, 
performs the show as them and then then robs the bank. Yeah. I mean, uh, your face I mean, is it, it all, really. Like a, it sounds like a music video. That's what it sounds like to me. Some sort of probably like, like the for promo or, for Kanye West yeah. or something. <laughs> some sort of Spike John's music video. That's, what it's, that's exactly what it sounds like. I need to do a slight defence of banks, though, because you remember in the 80s, there was a lot of incentivization to get a bank account. So you had like the Halifax money box. You had, right. you had folders of fat packs. So I can kind of see why bird costume, well, they were dressed as woodpeckers doing a song and dance Wood act. Peckers, I can kind of slightly see why that was necessary in the 80s. But it is still a major tenuous plot point. There's no getting away from it. There's lots of major tenuous plot points. Any Anything you want to point out, Helen? I mean, you've openly admitted that you, you haven't seen it. I kind of so, wish I'm so, so Can I just say that I'm so sorry to everyone, especially my family? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of wish I hadn't. <laughs> um, that makes me feel better. I mean, I will admit that that definitely makes me feel like I've saved an hour. I think there's there's a def- there's going to be a bit of a divide on this this table that's formed automatically. Um, I mean, I've I've seen a couple of Gene Wilder films, but I don't think I've ever seen a Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder film. Okay. And I remember trying to watch Blazing Saddles quite a while ago. And, that's not got and, Richard Pryor in it. Is it not? No. no. Oh. So what are the other ones then? Anyway. I've got them here. So Silver Streak, Stir Crazy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Another You. So who was he in, in Blazing Sellers with? That was, Another, I can't think of his actor's name. I don't, name I don't know. No. can't remember his name. It wasn't know. Richard Pryor. Yeah. No. Oh, well, <laughs> that, I've, I've definitely never, ever seen any Richard Pryor you might recognise mainly from Superman 3. I haven't seen Superman 3. What? what? I mean, the only, the only thing I really know about Richard Pryor, and it's actually it was actually why he was filming this wasn't this was his, when he set himself in on fire he was troubled yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. his stand up's amazing like mm. his his uh, if you watch any of his stand up specials they are just incredible partly because the jokes are incredible but also because the sheer force of personality of him mm. and and the honesty of his stand up he was one of the first like comedians that was incredibly honest on stage about um like being abused about his kind of health problems and it was mind-blowing i think like for, for its time as well i mean it probably would have less impact now but even just watching him perform it is unbelievable yeah. it's it's shocking because it, i mean his his mum was a prostitute if i remember rightly and he grew up in in um in a bordello and obviously had to see his mum go through all these kind of things go through drugs and he was into drugs early so for him to have got into a stage where he got into uh comedy is such a success but obviously he's just surrounded by drugs so he just never kind of left that behind and it was just kind of permanently fucked in some way shape or form but ultimately it's just a super hilarious guy and all the people all a lot of comedians not just black comedians like eddie murphy and chris rock but there's a lot of comedians nowadays who like say shit man like richard Pryor was the one that opened a lot of doors for us and opened a lot of ideas and avenues for us that um, couldn't have been done before so he's yeah he's, he's definitely uh like a pioneer, pioneer I, mean, I think he was one of the people that started and possibly sort of lenny bruce before him but he george was one of the carlin. comedians that really george carlin yeah. as well that in that group of comedians that opened up comedy to being stories and real life experiences rather mm. than just being jokes you know they were the kind of people that made uh, observational comedy a lot more than just hey you know a thing it became this is my <laughs> life and it's a mess you know and uh it suddenly re- much more exciting um, I, th- I think that's why the whole point of Stir Crazy is, is they just took characters that work and made them pretty much improvise throughout that film. And that's why Stir Crazy was made. They Do you reckon just, they improvised? Do you reckon I think there was some scenes that were ad-libbed to a degree. Right. 
um, prime example, just when they're messing about in cell blocks and things like that. I think that there's got to be artistic license within that because it was just so unstructured and pointless. <laughs> that, that's got to be the only reason why they put those scenes in, surely. But I think the reason why these films were constructed was that two hot personalities at the time stick them together and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's I think that's just what kind of happened there. Um, I remember, so see, see No Evil, Hear No Evil, I saw quite a few times as a kid. Um, that's one my dad just, I think he just saw it in Woolworths and brought it back and we watched it. And that's one of the like 15 videos we had. So it was on constant recycle. And this is something you brought up uh, on a previous episode. The fact that the way we consume films now is so different because mm. we do have, I think, our generation, I, I'm sounding really old now. I'm from, I'm born 1980, but I think same. I first, this came out, this film came out the first of January 1980, according to IMDb, which is my birthday. Oh, wow. wow. Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> you are as old as this film. I am as old as this film, yeah. And I think we consume them so differently to the point where we did have like a certain amount of videos that we watched over and over again. Mm. And for me, this was recorded off of late, late night TV, which then got recycled throughout my childhood. You yeah. had to fast forward through the adverts. Yeah, exactly it. So, of course, we don't have that now with, you know, with the fact we've got Netflix. We just consume things differently. I think that is why I've got an emotional attachment to this, not because it's a good film, because no. it's really genuinely not a good film. And I realised that what last night when I watched it. But it's because of the nostalgia and because it's so of its time, not just on cinematic version, but also how I consumed. Yeah. And I think there's a there's a fair few films which I so don't want to rewatch because as a kid I liked them, but now I just think about the storyline and think that's that's wank, isn't it? Yeah. Without, <laughs> without... You try not to think too hard about some of your your firm favourites from the past. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Does anyone watch? Do anyone watch the Golden Child? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen it recently. Is it yeah. is it not still stand up? Or? Oh, it's atrocious. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. See, we got we, to watch that at school once in the afternoon what? because it, I That's can't amazing. Re- yeah, I know. I can't remember what happened. I don't think the teacher was meant to put I don't it on. Ever heard it of that blew one. Our minds. It's an Eddie oh, Murphy, Eddie Murphy joint. Yeah, no, I've never seen that. See, this is another interesting thing as well because obviously you've got quite a lot of prior association with this. Yeah. Whereas I've zero knowledge of it. Knowledge it's- or association, and it's quite interesting how the certain types of film that you do have that kind of attachment because we had we did midnight run recently mm. and you'd never seen midnight run and i'd seen it you know hundreds of times and it's kind of interesting which are these kind of not necessarily the bigger films of that period but the kind of smaller ones that you've grown up with and the relationship that you now have with them then it's quite fascinating yeah definitely and I think for me that is pretty much my entire childhood it's just working out that like the goonies for example it's still a good film, but there's so many points in it that just really don't hold up. Like there's some terrible dialogue, there's some terrible cut scenes, like awful, awful editing. But it's just still a great film to me because of what my childhood was around it. Yeah, absolutely. Nostalgia. Although I didn't, I, I was never that big a fan of the Goonies. I'd watch <gasps> it. I'd watch it. Yeah, I, I was never that big a fan either. I felt uh, sort of vilified for it for years. After I, th- I enjoyed it, but I was such an Indiana Jones and Star Wars kid that mm. I just watched them on endless repeat rather than anything else. Rather than the Goonies. Yeah. Mm. Um, right. So, stir crazy. I guess we're kind of dancing around it. Um, you said it, Jason. It's not that good a film. This is my first time watching it. Even though I'm a big fan of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, Helen from the start was not happy. Um, I th- <laughs> and I've not even seen it. I so. feel really bad. I mean, that's how I rate it. I've given yeah. you the worst episode of this podcast ever. No, no, no. <laughs> um, on on the WhatsApp from Helen, typically the response to a film you're not looking forward to is she just it's just a one line. It's the time, the time, the running length of the film. 
We didn't have that this time. No, I mean it is quite long though. Yeah. Um, one hour fifty one for a comedy is is. I was surprised too long. by that. Yeah. Wow. I I had no idea it was that long. And I think the only thing I can imagine is that being as a a TV edit as a kid, I reckon it's been chopped down a lot more. Oh, but there'll be lots of less swearing. Mm. Was there any? I I mean I think what I I was expecting there to be a lot of things where I was like, oh, maybe that's not quite funny now, mm. but there wasn't any of that. No, that's what we're saying about the there was no real homophobia, misogyny, or that kind of antics in the film, was it? It was just... I think it was quite sensitively done. And I don't know if that's because of Sidney Poitier directing. I think, I mean, Sidney Poitier, I've never heard him swear once in any film. Um, I can't imagine him swearing. No. I think it would be really traumatising. <laughs> There's a couple of F words, um, like Richard Pryde chucks a few in. Is there only a couple? I just assume mm. because like with, with Midnight Run... There's I, a lot of that a lot, but I just for its time. I just didn't register. I probably I just don't register unless it's like a really pointed f bomb. Mm. I don't really register them anymore. But I guess watching Midnight Run as a kid, you'd be like, "Oh, he said the f word and again and again." Um, but I I just assumed he was. They were both always swearing. <laughs> Maybe they weren't. I I think I painted a lot more swearing onto it than what it actually was because right. I I can literally only count from last night's viewing about two, and they were so disposable. They weren't you know necessary um but yeah other than that it really wasn't that much in a way bad well there was terrible dialogue but not for not for swearing put it that way but yeah that this the script is i think tenuous it's just <laughs> again having watched it back with an adult head it was just the plot lines just really didn't so it just really just jointed. made as a vehicle for those two then yeah so that's i think wrong. that's what it is yeah um i think my my kind of defense of it in, if there is any it's just it's nice to see them on screen together and it's nice to see Richard Pryor's stupid face it's nice to see Gene Wilder's stupid face it's just a shame that they weren't doing funnier stuff with their stupid faces that they do typically um, I think the funniest bit there's a funny bit at the start when Richard Richard Pryor accidentally gave cannabis to people and there's a bit of a laughter there and there's a bit of when they're playing um cards in the in the jail cell with uh, Grossberger yeah I thought that was quite funny and Richard Pye putting his foot into putting his leg into Gene Wilder's trouser leg that was quite funny um I can't think of anything else though for me there really isn't a laugh a minute is there because no. that was the other thing that I realized when I was watching it back 51, last night that's so bad if it's not a laugh a minute you've got a long time to go not laughing exactly it really is a long film for not a lot of plot not a lot of laughter <laughs> and, and not I, really much happens in it other than the rodeo, which which again, just to explain the rodeo thing, the the warden has a big rivalry with another prison. Mm-hmm. So they have an, an inter-prison rodeo, which they put money on, gamble, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that uh, Gene Wilder is a fantastic rodeo rider yeah. for no good reason. <laughs> because he went into the warden's office and the warden has a mechanical bull. And the warden said, sit on that. And he sat on it and for, he turned it up to six. Yeah, in a spinal tap moment, and that was it. He was the best rodeo rider, rider anybody's seen, and therefore was going to be the one that competed in the inter-prison rodeo. Uh, he held out for terms because he wasn't going to sign up. Gene Wilder said, "No, I'm not going to do it. We need to get some better conditions for the prison," um, which he got. And then eventually, the rodeo. T- You're looking at me as if this is completely a bizarre concept in. And- well, I, I am, and I'm not. I'm also sort of thinking, like, how else would you find out you're the best rodeo rider? Because like, it's not like, like, it's not like it's one of those things you just would stumble across. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, we, one of us could be the best rodeo rider ever. I don't like yeah. think I am. But the chances of us just suddenly having to, like, sit on a mechanical board are quite slim. So, in my head, I'm thinking, how else would you find out? Sure. Mm. That's quite, I mean, I think that's very plausible. I guess, I mean, very realistic. I guess through the plot of the film, a lot of the stuff we don't see is how many people have gone into the office and he's put on the ball. So and they've it. come flying off. Yeah. So we've just seen. But there's one no person. padding in that room. I mean, wasn't, wasn't it? it's a very small that, room that, to be having a trial for rodeo yeah. without any padding. I was concerned for Gene Wilder's uh, stunt double in that scene. Did you did you notice the stunt double during the radio scenes? Yeah, the, the bit at the end where they're having to rip the money off the bull's horns. Yeah. It's terrible stunt yeah. doubling. Because it had hair which was maybe Gene Colour's Wilder's colour and he was like ripped. This th- <laughs> That's the thing with CGI nowadays that you really don't get with yesteryear's film where you had a, such a terrible stunt double <laughs> in loose clothing and terrible hair that was supposed to replicate. I, I really miss effort. I really miss stunt doubles. And did you ever have you ever seen that thing where they got I mean, and it's not films, but where they went back through episodes of Friends and showed you all the scenes where it blatantly wasn't those actors. I know. And it's really weird because you say, like, how did I never see that? But it's like definitely not Rachel. It's definitely not Jennifer Aniston sitting there. They've just got all the stunt doubles in for when they weren't around to film at the same time. And there's loads of films like that, that if you see the stills of them, you kind of go, oh, that wasn't them at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. And yeah, you're right. Now they just kind of digitally change their face so that they... It's like yeah. an army yeah. of Tom Cruise lookalikes just walking around with nothing to do. <laughs> That's a terrifying... He probably keeps yes. them all in his house, doesn't he? Yeah. And sends them out to get groceries. Weird. I've, I've been watching uh, Arrested Development from, from episode one all the way through. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, yeah. But it's fantastic comedy. But what I've noticed a lot on this rewatch is the, ba- the amount of ADR. So there's a lot of over-the-shoulder talking. And all you can kind of see them, they're kind of nodding their head when it's like badly mismatched, even though... You can't see the lips move. You could tell that's not what they're saying in any way, shape, or form, and that kind of thing. You kind of think you should stop that. This is two thousand and three. This came out, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that was quite a while ago now. Fifteen years. Is, yeah. 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 Um, and, and judging from the recent comments, uh, it sounded like they all hated each other anyway. So uh, I haven't seen the. Yeah, I've not. Yeah, I've, because wasn't I haven't seen the most recent series, but the one before, which I didn't enjoy. I really enjoyed the first three, and yeah. then the fourth one. The rest of development was a bit rubbish, but that was the one where they couldn't all be in the same room at That's any right. time, so it all had to be like that. There's some dodgy, there's some really bad green screen in that as well. Yeah, I mean, you could feel it in the way, like, nobody bounces off any, each other, mm. there's no energy. It's really bad. Um, <sighs> should we head to the scores, guys? I'm not sure what, what, what else you want yeah, to I say. Feel, I feel like I really lit. Can no, I, and no, again, no, in my defense, sure. I did put a shortlist of five, and what, and was, what, what was it? It was um, About Time, which is the Richard Curtis film, which I, I again is a real kind of love of mine. I, I'm a bit guilty pleasure of Richard Curtis. Um, what other ones were there? Fear of 13, which is a documentary, which I think is fantastic. By the way, if you've not seen that, watch okay. it because it's such an original documentary concept. Um, and cheap plug, but he's gonna the producer of it's gonna be on Stop and Search. I've already recorded it. So um and I, I was gonna do a hideous thing and self-reference as well, because I've got a film on Netflix, but I found out it's no longer on there. Oh, it's got, oh, it's been taken off. So, so what was that? Uh, the culture highest. So it was um it was filmed in 2014, so it's had its time. So um, but I can't remember what the other ones were, but Stir Crazy for me was just, again, it was just pure nostalgia. It was just really... No, no, it's, it's a perfect, I mean, it's a perfect reason to bring it on there. If you've watched it as a kid and that's what, that's what Netflix is for. Yeah, and, and I'd not seen it. Yeah, and, and... I, I'd not seen it. And this one, it's, for me, it was a blind spot. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't hit the mark and other films were. I mean, we... we I was, I, I mean, I was quite surprised. I, I was expecting it to maybe be a little bit dated, but... I was just really more surprised that it. I just didn't What's find any of it funny. If you were to even remake if I, it, if, if, if even if I thought 
Well, I shouldn't really be laughing at that, but it's quite funny. Yeah, there wasn't that. No, though. which was really weird. <laughs> if you were to do a quick remake, who would you get to do those? And I don't think for one second it would be a remake, but who would you get to do the characters? Because I can't think of anybody that's remotely touchable to Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. I think. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, there's a film with um, Will Ferrell and... Um... Don C. Riley? No. Which one? A black guy. <laughs> it was Get Out or I, I can't, I'll, I'll find the oh, name oh yes yeah I know the one you mean I can't think or Hard or Hard something but yeah. Talladega Nights was on my shortlist as well I was going to pick that one because again it's just such a yeah I haven't seen any of these have you not no see I love Talladega Nights I'm always quoting it what What do I do with my hands that, it's like, one of the few ones I haven't seen I haven't seen Talladega Nights so basically we're never having a movie night are we Tina? No, that's, that's it yeah <laughs> we, we totally don't dovetail I'm on our films turn up, judging by my homework abilities uh, <laughs> this time around. Get Hard oh. that's it yeah, Kevin yeah. Hart and Will Ferrell. Yeah, I've, actually, Will Ferrell and Gene Wilder, I can see similarities in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Kev, Kevin Hart's not quite a Richard Pryor. No, I wouldn't go. No, definitely not. Maybe, so, uh, I don't know, Hannibal Burris is not, I don't know. I'll have to think about that. I always thought that Grossberger was King Kong Bundy as well, but I don't think he actually is, is it? I'd always, that's a wrestling reference. I'm probably the only wrestling heard, fan in the no, room I've as well. No, I've heard the name, but I, can't, I couldn't relate it to you. No, so yeah, basically, I'm very disillusioned along with the rest of you. So. Yeah, so unfortunate. unfortunate. I mean, it's kind of interesting. They they did do a lot of these films in the eighties where they literally just made a film because of a pairing, yeah, and that kind has kind of trailed off. Yeah, the kind quite of odd couple now. thing. Or, yeah. But, well, yeah. yeah, the odd couple more than buddy comedy. But here they were they were really good friends from the from the outset, weren't they? What's it? Is it called? What's that film? Walter Matthau and I'm going to ask. Oh, the odd couple. Yeah, it's just yeah. called the odd couple. Yeah, um, Jack, Jack Lemon. Lemon. Jack Lemon. And are they? I can't remember. I've only seen it once. But were they friends in it, or were they kind of smushed together through circumstances? I've actually never seen that. I don't either. know because they did another couple of films together after that, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Which weren't as big. no. Um, but I don't know if they were friends in real life. So but, yeah, that's an, that's an example of pairings where they just kind of put them together again. It's kind of like the only person who's really sort of done a lot of them is Jackie Chan. Because obviously he did with Chris Tucker and Owen Wilson as well. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. Um, oh yeah. What's the I quite like those films, Shanghai, Shanghai Noon and, and Shanghai Nights. They're quite yeah. fun. Yeah, which is the sequel one? Which is the Nights? The one where they're in England. That is definitely one of the worst films that's ever happened. Which is the one with Chris? Was one with Chris Tucker called? Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I love Rush Hour. Right, let's go to the scores, guys. <laughs> right. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So yeah, if um, if you're not familiar with our scores, they're all out of five. You can have decimal places and you can have a zero but no minuses. And um, the first one is the recommendability. And uh, as it's your choice, Jason, we'll start with you. I did write these down, but I'm actually going to amend them on the day because I haven't had this conversation. You know when you talk yourself out or something? So I did have it down <laughs> as a three, but based on the fact that none of us have remotely well, had a good word to say about I this. I mean, it, you should... Go go with your gut. Don't feel as though you have I, to change I go scores. With, I'll go with two because I, I honestly don't think I'm going to go around someone's house and go, should we put Stir Crazy on? I just, <laughs> I just don't think that's ever going to come out. So yeah, two, I'll go for that. 
Uh, what we're going to do, Tiernan, is probably just, you're just going to mirror Jason's scores because you, you can't. Oh, man. Unless I mean, because the thing is, I would say based on... I mean, do you on, want to see it? I mean, so I'm, I'm curious, maybe but give after it a score. hearing you talk about it, I probably would have gone with the two. I would have gone with the two. Yeah. Um, but then I also feel like I don't want to bow down to peer pressure. I don't want to be oppressed by you guys. You know, <laughs> what's to say that I might think it's incredible? But I'm going to go with the two right now. Okay. Just uh, well, based on, yeah. Okay, so if you do have an opinion based on our discussion of it, then yeah, feel free to throw a score in the mix. I will do. Um, Helen. I mean, I genuinely thought that it would at least be funny in, <laughs> even in a way that <laughs> I... was close to the bone. I was a bit like, ooh, not really funny this way. Or, I don't know, it was just, it was a bit boring. I didn't really watch it all the way to the end either, so I don't really know. Don't know how it ended. I assume they Ended broke it. out of prison or something. So the, the ending is almost the best bit because, it get, as, as Kobe said at the start, it's so tenuous because Jane Wilder gets the girl. It's like, why? Mm. There was absolutely no need for that. She just discards the rest of her life to to follow along with an ex-convict, yeah. essentially. And Did is you... that the same woman who he stalked in the apartment store at the No, no that was just a, a pointless oh, setup. Non -secretary, yeah. I didn't even get that. Sorry. Um, um, zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it two and a half because I think the the Rob. I mean, I looked on IMDb, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, and there were people who probably loved it, and I'm sure there are. It's it, it is one of the classic pairings. People talk about this as one of the things. So I think there will be people that really enjoy it and get it, but it wasn't for me. I think you've got to have really, really loved it when you were younger and kind of have like that little special place for for those two together. Because I think people will love this. Not me. And that's what it is. It's yeah. the fact that I watched it as a child when I shouldn't be watching that adult film. Yeah. And that is exactly why I connected to it. Because that's one of the best things ever. It is. It's so... Yeah. Oh, 18 certificate. Oh. Repeat viewing score, Jason. Um, again, it's tricky because if I was to base it on my childhood self, then it would probably have to be like a five because I did have it on... It was one of the ones that I did on loop. Sure. Uh, but now, having had a good couple of decades break from it, I'd probably put it midway, about three. Okay. Because I think it is one of those ones, that if, you, if, you, if we still did have late night TV culture, I think that you'd put it on, have it there playing as you're brushing your teeth mm -hmm. and then just walk away from it and dip in and out. I think it's it's accessible, but because that's one of the other things that I find with certain modern day films is that unless you sit down and you properly get into it, there's just no way that you can access it because yeah. it's just too... It's too much on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many times are you going to re-watch the film after not watching it? Well, I mean, the, the fact is that I, I see, I wouldn't give it a repeat viewing, but that's because I haven't seen it once, so therefore I, I actually can't. You have to give it a viewing score. I have to give it a viewing score. So, I mean, I am now curious, uh, but I'm not that curious. I mean, you didn't even make it to the end, Helen, so I'm, I'm going to go for a, a, I'll go for a, a two and a half. This <laughs> is the most, like, freestyle scoring we've yeah, ever had. Helen. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I would not go near this ever again. Um, zero. Zero. Repeat viewing score. Um, yeah, it's a one. It's a one from me. This is probably the lowest I've given anything, I think. I, I, I like to think that I'm either going to be like the 
best guess or the worst guest on this. I'm going for the worst. I'm going no. for the absolute I'm certainly worried we've ruined your school. childhood. That's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried that you're going to go home and have this like horrible just weeping. So I'm going to reassess everything that now. That was hours yeah. of my life. I could have been doing something else. Empire you could Strikes be the best back. rodeo guy ever if you hadn't spent your time watching this film. Exactly. I'm going to need to try it now. Is there something around Camden that I can try? There must got... be a rodeo bull somewhere in a, in a five mile vicinity of this. Oh, it's Camden. There'll probably be somebody dressed as a rodeo bull. <laughs> that actually you've just reminded me of the probably the best joke in it whereas Gene Wilder's going nuts in a cell uh, he starts riding someone's back and then he jumps off and goes that guy's crazy he thinks he's a horse that that was the best joke in it for me and that was pretty pretty much the only time I laughed last night when I watched it back so feel free to nick it to in, in your set sure I'll just I'll just randomly point at people in the audience and yeah that he thinks sure he's a horse really <laughs> <laughs> I did quite like when they're trying to break down his spirits and uh they put him in solitary confinement and he came and he comes out and goes, ah, oh, can I just, can I just have one more day, please? Hmm. Um, I mean, if I'd heard these smirk. gags before I'd given <laughs> yeah. my scores, I might have changed them, but it's too late now, guys. Too late now. <laughs> too okay. late now. Small screen score, Jason. Yeah, I think it only works on the small screen. I don't think it's yeah. remotely accessible on the big screen. So it would have to be probably, I'm going to, just to get the average up, I'm going to go for, actually, no, let's go for three. Okay. I originally had it down somehow as a five but yeah i'm gonna remember i mean that. If, if you think... if you want to give it some points you need to give it some... go for five then yeah i was i was doing the maths in my head of go, do i want the low low what is your lowest score that you've had well, on we, can, we can we will have a look at that. the end yeah um tinnan i'm not gonna get to see it on a big screen uh because i've only got a reasonable size television so if i do see it i reckon it'll, it'll have to, it, four i'm gonna give it a four because yeah. why not yeah helen um, I'm also giving it a four. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things that it is on there, and if you did watch it as a a childhood film, then you know it might be worth a, a revisit. Um, yeah, it's four. I definitely would have been very angry if I'd seen it at the would cinema. Would you want it on an even smaller screen <laughs> than the one you have? Like, would you want it on a tiny screen? I mean, the, there's just nothing happens in it. Is another thing. I was just really surprised that. See, I'm going well, to set up an open-air screening I, with a robot. It's how, how it, it got made. Yeah. That's true. The prison break is beyond random. What happened to Grossberg? He doesn't get out, does he? He, no, just, he just gets stuck in there. I, even as a child, I realised that, that he was he was giving <laughs> himself out. He was supposed to be like the, this horrible mass murderer, but he was actually a really sweet character that was going to chuck himself on the altar for, for the rest of the everybody guys, else. Yeah. It's too large to escape underneath the hatch, basically. Grossberg was too fat to escape. Oh, Oh dear. Um, I, I'm giving it a four for small screen score. Engagement score, Jason. Yeah, again, I, I originally had this down as a four, but how can I remotely give it that after this conversation? <laughs> so I think it'll have to be a, based purely on me, I'm going to go for a three because I, I was engaged purely on nostalgia, which I've repeated a million times. I've been engaged by your conversation about it, but actually I've probably spent more time on my phone than watching the film. So I'm going to go for a two. Helen, I, I I lost I lost the will <laughs> before the end. Uh, I'm gonna give it a one. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about it though while I was watching it. That other than the Shawshank Redemption, I was trying to think about other films set in prisons, and I couldn't really think of that many. Escape from Alcatraz was always quite a childhood favourite of mine because that's I I like the process of people escaping, which sounds bizarre. In a, in Would you a, say what about Great Escape? 
is that prisoner enough for you? I mean, it's prisoner I know, I've seen that visitor. one. Escape to Victory, which is the, the that's bizarre, the yeah. Yeah, the bizarre yeah, football yeah, that's one. Yeah, that's amazing. With Stallone, isn't it? Stallone, Bobby Moore. Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? That was oh, and The Rock. The Rock's a prison film, but they're yeah. breaking in. Yeah. There's three so versions that of that film. So there's The Longest Yard, which is the the one with, um, what's his name? Uh, Cannibal Run Mustache. What's his name? Oh, Tom Selleck. No. no. Um, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, yeah. yeah. And then it got oh, remade with Adam Sandler. And then it also got made with... No, you're thinking The Mean Machine. Oh, yeah, I am. No, right? that's, yeah. yeah, that's that's... What's The Rock one? The Rock is the Rock is oh, the, cage. The, the cage. So I'm thinking of the Rock. And, yeah, and then there's Green, Green Miles, a prison one. Yeah, as yeah. well. It's got to be more prison films than that. There will be. There, will there be. are, but in terms of the kind of the premise is that obviously someone is in prison and then they need to break out of it. Tango and Cash. There's a. <laughs> I'm really. Which is that's down. another buddy film as well, isn't yes. it? Yes, there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a. I was going to. I'm going to give it a two because I was willing it. Because I've just there's so much like love for Gene Gene Wilder and and uh, Richard Pryor. Did you notice Jonathan Banks, aka Mike Ehrmantraut, if anyone watches Best Course um, yeah. Breaking Bad or Best Course Hall in there? No. You, you watch Breaking Bad? I actually try. Oh, yeah, you're, that's right. You're right, as someone who talks about drug policy. He's not seen The Wire, um, drug policy reform. He's not seen The Wire, and he's not seen. Um, Breaking Bad. It's because when I'm off the clock, I try and avoid drugs. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Breaking Bad is really not worth it. No. Breaking Bad, no, Breaking Bad's worth it. It's it's definitely worth it. Yeah, but also even more so because then you can watch Better Call Saul, which I think is even better. Right. But uh, yeah, because we've talked, but you need to watch The Wire so you can come on the Wire podcast. Right. Okay. Oh, you do need to watch that. Yeah. It's the best TV series ever made. Um, so what do I say? Two. So that gives us an overall score of two point three seven five. That's not bad. Yeah. I think I don't think that's the lowest. No. We've definitely oh, had no. a, some ones in there. We've uh, got we've got one that's completely zeros. But uh, we're Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was oh, two point three. Wow, that sounds an amazing film. It's not. What was the one that was all zeros? Oh, Hurricane oh, Bianca. There was. We haven't got round to reviewing that yet. Oh, <laughs> but I know it's not going to be particularly high. Hurricane Bianca. There's definitely was, one that uh, came in as a, a one somewhere. This is thrilling for our listeners. Sorry, we're just having a little bit of a scroll. Two point four. Drunken Master. That was that was a disappointment. Yeah, that was terrible. It's a two point four. There. What should we Two point four. Pretty sure there's one. Two point three advantageous. Two point one Sharknado. Sharknado three. So if you've beaten Sharknado three, yeah, is over the top the one the, the arm wrestling. One? It That's is. The one, yeah. yeah. One point seven. That thing you do. That was. Oh, that was one point seven. Yeah. So it's not the low. worst. And one point nine. An arc. Arc. 1. So 9. yeah, it's not the worst. No, it's not the worst. Yeah. Wow. What's the tagline for Sharknado three? Um, Please God, no more. Yeah. Oh my God! Why are there still sharks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Flying. Um, okay, guys, Jason, Tinan. Let us know where we can find you online and, um, yeah, say goodbye to the listeners. So I'm at, at Jason Tron on Twitter, which is actually my name. Um, and then if you want to follow anything to do with job policy and stop and search, then at UK Leap. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Tin and Dooyeb. So if you just throw a lot of vowels uh, onto your keyboard <laughs> and have a go uh, and spell that. Um, and then podcast is partly political broadcast, which is available at all of your favourite podcast outlets. <laughs> And your least favourite ones. Cool. Well, thank you very much, guys, for your time. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thank you for having us. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on iTunes. Do you subscribe and leave us a nice review if you feel like it. You can find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and the website is FlixWatcher.tv. 
Thanks, as always, to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Brendan Russell for his awesome editing skills. 